Chapter 58 of The Goddess of Atvatabar by William Richard Bradshaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Fisher. The Death of Bull Macar. General Flathookley, with his command of 10,000 Fletchermings, who was ordered to pursue and capture the ex-King Bull Macar, returned to Kalnagore after a month's absence to report the death of King Bull Macar and Koshnili, together with several hundred of their followers, and the capture of several thousand Waleels as prisoners. At a special interview with the General, I requested him to report the story of his defeat of the King's troops and the death of the King. "'Well, Your Majesty,' said Flathookley, I must first of all congratulate you on ascending the throne of the enemy. It was the smartest bit of work I've seen since I left the other world. The troops behaved nobly, I said, but I'm all anxious to hear how you captured the king. Well then, your majesty, I come up to the place called Gapathis, about 1,500 miles from here, away beyond on the Wales Sea shore. Had he a large force with him? I asked. Bedad and he had. He had a bodyguard of about 5,000 Waleels, but sure, we made short work of the flying soldiers. Well, tell me exactly what happened, I said. Truth and I will, your majesty. Sure, our flying sailors are darling fellows. We skirmished up to the enemy until we got in between us and the say, and then we fell too. The bloody rascals tried to spare us and did kill about a dozen or two of our boys. But we touched them up lively with our pitchforks, and Bagara they didn't like that at all, at all. A wee red-faced captain called out that they were going to fight for their king to the last. How long are you going to last yourself, sonny? says I. Afore the words were out of my mouth, somebody laid the wee fellow out, as night as a funeral. Well, we fell upon them, from front and rear, as the saying is, and be jabbers, I killed the man with the first blow. Walk right into them, I shouted. And there we were, fighting and slashing and killing one another, as if it were a matter of business. If the king's soldiers flew up, why, we flew up too, and chased them down again. It was like a pandemonium of fighting cocks. There was a big fellow, who made a slash at me with his sword, but I lifted him on my fork, and very nicely showed me the whites of his eyes. The best part of the performance was old Bully, who had himself in the middle of his bodyguard, and waving a toy sword, asked his friends to kill us. Well, to make a long story short, the enemy being very badly beaten, threw up their arms, and we captured the entire lot, except for about five hundred Waleels who flew away as fast as their heels could carry them. How did the king conduct himself when captured, I inquired? He came up to me, and bowing very nicely, offered me his sword. He said he was glad to surrender to a brave general, and hoped I would give him the honours of war. Berjabbers, I will that, said I, but that'll be after we throw ye by cart marshal. But where's Mrs. Bowley, says I. Does your excellency mean her late majesty, said Bowley? If so, I regret to say the unhappy fate which has overtaken both myself and her country prostrated her so much that she died. Well then, says I, where's that other conspirator, Kashneeli? I am here, your excellency, says he, stepping forward and handing me his sword, and I also surrender. You do well, says I, to give up your sword, for it saves me the trouble of taking it from you. And now, me rascals, I said, we're going to save the trouble of looking after you by throwing you through court-martial. Let the court be formed, says I, and bring forth the prisoners. The king's soldiers were disarmed, and their wings taken off, and were assembled in a circle under guard. Bowley and Kashnili, under a special guard, stood in the middle of the ring. Now, boys, says I, play fair and no favour. Who's got a charge again the prisoners? With that, one of my men stepped forward and said that Bowley and Kashnili had organised resistance to a change of government and religion, thereby blocking the wheels of reform, and furthermore had conspired to murder, and Bijabas did murder, her holiness the goddess of blessed memory, who, although alive again, was undoubtedly killed. 
When Bully and Costnilly heard that the goddess was alive again, their knees knocked together with fear. "'This is a terrible charge again, you both,' said I. "'I don't know which offence is the greatest, killing a decent goddess or blocking the wheels of reform. Anyhow, the one crime is as bad as the other. Who supports the charge?' I added in thundering tones. Well, Ivory Soldier on the spot volunteered to give evidence as to blocking the wheels of reform, but nobody saw the murder committed. Now, says I, addressing the prisoners, did ye's murder the goddess or did ye's not? By your souls, tell the truth. Guilty or not guilty? Guilty, said both prisoners. Then by your own mouths ye be condemned, said I. The sentence of this court is that ye both be beheaded on the mortal spot. I think, Flatterkly, said I, that you rather exceeded your duty in so hastily condemning the prisoners. You should have brought them to Kalnagur for proper trial and execution. Sure, I knew that, but to tell your majesty the truth, it wouldn't have added to your credit to have ordered the execution of Bully, and so I took the responsibility of the whole thing on myself. I made Bully and Koshnilly kneel down, and a soldier tied their hands behind their backs. Then I ordered a wayleel to behead them with their own swords. After some hot work, the heads of both murderers rolled on the ground. Why didn't you shoot them or kill them at once with your spears? I considered that as too oisy a death for them. I didn't want them to die without knowing they were getting hurt. I forgave Flat Hootley for his too hasty execution of the ex-king, as he had undoubtedly saved me a very disagreeable duty, and the hasty taking off of his ex-majesty prevented any demonstration in his favour. To assure the people of my anxiety for a popular government, I issued a proclamation ordering a general election to create a new barodomy in place of the assembly whose members had disappeared or were made prisoners of war or were dead. In thus providing for a constitutional government, I granted the nation not only all its ancient privileges, but added new and more important measures of political liberty. As the revenues of Atvatbar amounted to eight billion dollars per annum, there was no danger of myself or comrades of the Polar King falling short of handsome revenues. The re-establishment of the government, the reorganization of the army, navy and police, together with the care of the palaces of Kalnagur and Tanjay, and the new ritual for the Bormidophia and Egyplosis, occupied my attention for a longer period than I at first contemplated. While these things were being accomplished, I gave a grand public reception and royal banquet to Captain Adams and Sir John Forbes, and the officers and seamen of the ships Mercury and Aurora Borealis, in acknowledgement of their great services to our cause. At the same time, I did not forget to give our friends a more solid proof of my gratitude in the shape of a large bounty in gold. End of chapter 58